Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Chad Moyer filling in for Susan Littlefield. Today we're joined by Arlen Suderman from Stonex. Arlen, uh, two Wednesdays in a row I get to visit with you. Thanks for being on the program. Uh, just a, a quick recap on the markets here. Looks like uh, corn is going to end the day four to six lower. Uh, soybeans about four to nine lower. Wheat, and we'll talk more about this in detail, led the grains down. Looks like uh, 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 Kansas City wheat down over 20 cents. Uh, if, if you just describe what it, what's going on here, is this a, a turnaround Tuesday on a Wednesday, or what were some of the big things going on in the markets today? Yeah, fundamentally, I guess people are pointing to the moisture, some moisture in areas that have been dry and stuff, but frankly, I, I, this is more of a technical collapse than anything else. We've been rallying the wheat market on a couple of factors. One was uh, Black Sea risk with uh, the um, agreement that allows Ukraine to export wheat and other grains coming to an expiration on March 19th and uh, no agreement in place to extend that. And we've faced this a couple of other times at each of those times where we rallied up until an agreement was reached or so or became clear that we were going to get an agreement and then it collapsed. And it's becoming more apparent that we'll likely get an agreement once again. There was also a focus on uh, the dryness in the plains, U.S. plains, and, and the crop that's starting to break dormancy in the southern plains in very dry condition and problems. Um, yesterday, the Kansas City market tried to rally despite a break in the Chicago market, but eventually the Chicago market, which had a technical failure on the charts, has pulled Kansas City under. And so now we got the chart failure on the Kansas City today as well. So when that happens, the algo computer trade it's continue to just pile on and amplify the move to the downside, and that's exactly what we saw today. Okay. Something else that happened today, and I guess this is towards the tail end of the grain trade, was uh, uh, the, the Fed uh, released the minutes of the last uh, Federal Open Market Committee minutes. Uh, uh, kind of leading up to that, I guess, what were the thoughts? Were there anything in those minutes that uh, you think the, the trade's going to react to? Well, it was basically fear of what those minutes might reveal about the hawkishness of the members of the Fed. And, in fact, that's what those minutes did confirm, that there were several members of the uh, voting committee, the Federal Open Market Committee, who wanted to go raise the rates by 50 basis points here at the beginning of the month. They eventually ended up going 25 basis points, but that indicates that there are some members who want to be even more aggressive on raising rates to try to get a handle on inflation. And a lot of the data that's come out lately indicates that we're nowhere close to getting a handle on inflation. In fact, those inflation pressures are starting to increase once again. So, you know, there's two ways for the market to look at that. One way is, oh, inflation is that much of a problem. We need to own the commodities as a hedge against that inflation in our portfolio. The other way to look at it is, oh, no, the Fed's going to have to get aggressive. That means that it'll be, have to raise interest rates enough to send us into a recession, and recessions decrease demand for commodities, so we should sell the commodities. And really, that's the way the market is primarily focused, really going back since June of, of last year. We started to shift that psychology a little bit as we came into 2023 uh, with some idea that maybe we oversold the commodities. That was kind of the thinking among many of the institutional investors. But the recent focus on some of the data, that jobs data and inflation data, showing that we still have a big wage inflation problem that's creating overall inflation, 
really kind of shifted us back toward that recessionary trade once again, which has kind of been bearish for the commodities. Soybeans have been trying to lead the way higher, trying to focus on the fundamentals. At times, wheat and corn have as well. Um, but today was one of those days where that recession trade really took over for both the energies and for the grain and oilseed markets. Yeah. Well, and maybe we can talk about beans for just a little bit, uh, you know, and the fact that they had been fairly strong. And I, th- I think the crush margins are still there, right? Uh, this is just one day. This maybe isn't a, a change in any fundamental direction or anything like that. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, there's still incentive there to to be crushing soybeans. The question is, will Argentina, which is the world's largest exporter of soy meal and soy oil, will they be able to, with the drought that's there, be able to sustain the pace of providing that meal and oil to the world market? The market's been pushing higher with meal leading the way on the fear that it will not be able to, which will increase demand for U.S. meal. The world cash market really doesn't seem to be too concerned about that at this point. We're not seeing a big surge in export demand for U.S. meal at this point. Um, And if you look at the the numbers in Argentina, we're basically looking at USDA as a crop currently at 41 million metric tons. Um, And my sources in Argentina say they believe that could fall another 10 million metric tons. That would require a significant import um, total, maybe record imports of soybeans into Argentina if they're going to sustain their pace of exports for meal and oil. Their economy is heavily dependent on those exports for the tax revenue on those exports of meal and oil to fund their social programs. So they have incentive to do so. The question is whether they'll be able to financially do so. The beans will be available in Brazil. The means to import them will be available. It's just whether the margins will be sufficient to fund that and whether the logistics will function. And that's going to be the key question mark going forward on whether we see more strength in our meal market because of that increased demand or whether Argentina is able to meet the demand with soybeans that they import here in the coming months. Great ideas. Thank you so much. That's Arlen Suderman from StoneX. Again, uh, the first half of the Fontenelle final bell here in the books. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. And uh, when we come back for the second half, Arlen and I will talk about some of the other things. Uh, you know, there are some geopolitical things that are going on in the world markets right now as well. We'll talk about that and more coming up in the second half of the Fontenelle final bell coming up next here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. Let's get another Fontenelle feature, this time with Lynn Junk. Lynn and his wife Michelle run Junk Seeds near Carroll, Nebraska. Lynn, you say being a dealer for Fontenelle has been enjoyable. How so? My uh, favorite part about it is getting to uh, help my customers, which most of them are family, friends, and neighbors, to make good decisions out in their field and to help them bring more dollars home. Let's talk about performance. How has Fontenelle performed on your own farm? The Fontenelle products on my farm have performed very well. The main thing I've been able to see is a consistency between the different hybrids and allowing me to have more flexibility on placement. It's nice to have numbers that are able to go in and out of difficult acres but yet perform well on your better soils on a farm. It's just been very good and quite frankly it's increased my profit. That's Fontenelle dealer Lynn Junk. For more information you can always contact Junk Seeds in the Carroll, Nebraska area or any local Fontenelle hybrids dealer. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Chad Moyer. Once again, joined by uh, Arlen Suderman from Stonex. Uh, Arlen, we talked a little bit about the wheat. We talked about soybeans in the first half. I, I didn't want to ignore corn, but it, it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot to talk about in corn. You know, May corn today had less than a 10-cent trading range, it looked like. Is corn just happy to follow along here, or what's going on? Yeah, it's really interesting to watch corn for a long time. The December contract had trouble getting above 690. Um, then it eventually made it up above probe seven bucks a little bit. And then it went off, off the line and we look into the March contract. Now the March contract's doing the same thing. Trading primarily in that 670 to 690 range, having, finding sellers when we get up toward the top of that range, finding buyers when we get in the bottom of that range. And today was a, kind of our path back toward the bottom of that range and we'll have to see now if we're able to uncover buyers to take us back up to the top basically we have some tight global supplies but our exports are really pathetically low in the united states um so it's hard for the market to get excited when exports are low because that's what's reported a couple times each week Feed usage, ethanol demand, et cetera, doesn't make headlines very often. It's it's harder to measure, and so it's hard to generate any type of excitement. So trade looks at those export numbers and then the USDA's WASDE reports to see if stocks are getting tighter. Stocks are snug, but they're adequate. So then we look to South America. Uh, Argentina's going to have a short crop. Ukraine is slowly disappearing as a major source of corn because of the war. And I mentioned Argentina's short crop. Brazil is just planting the major portion of their exportable corn now. What kind of growing season are they going to have? So their stocks are tight enough to provide support underneath of the market, but they're adequate enough to keep anybody from coming in and building ownership at this point. So we just keep chopping sideways with soybeans having all the fun uh, to the upside and wheat kind of down to the downside. Yep, all right. I mentioned it uh, in the preview for this segment. Let's talk about some of the geopolitical things that are going on. And, and you know, we're approaching a milestone in the Russia-Ukraine uh, situation. This Friday is the one-year anniversary of that. And, and then you've got the rhetoric with China as well. Can you kind of talk about those two things, Arlen? How do you think those two things are gonna uh, could, at least, or how is it impacting uh, grain trade? Well, Russia tends to really make a big deal out of anniversaries. And uh, so it invaded Ukraine on the anniversary of its military day. Um, and we're coming up on that anniversary, one-year anniversary of that invasion on Friday. So Ukraine is bracing for a possible major offensive on Friday. Uh, meanwhile, China is becoming very concerned about this war because it needs Russia to be a strong partner versus the United States. And it's worried that the longer this thing goes, the more risk that increases the risk that Russia could perhaps lose this war. Russia's declared there's no reason for a nuclear power to lose a major military conflict. We will win this. President Biden's surprise visit to Ukraine on Monday to give our commitment to Ukraine says the West is committed to making sure Ukraine wins this war. So this could be, end up being a more intense, more prolonged war in this very commodity-rich part of the world. China doesn't want that. It wants to make sure Russia is a strong partner in its battle against the United States. So its head foreign policy 
uh, minister has been traveling through parts of Europe and then visited Ukraine in recent days and is now moved going to Russia and talking to President Putin there. Says They say they will have some type of a peace agreement, not agreement, but path to peace that they will uh, reveal later this week. I anticipate it'll probably be something like if we get a negotiated agreement, China will help guarantee Russia's security and help defend it um, from attacks from the West or something like that. Um, but it'll probably involve Russia keeping the ground that it's occupied, and Ukraine has said that's a non-starter. Meanwhile, China published a major 4,000-word uh, 4, document in a state media on Tuesday kind of a, it was a hit piece on the united states and all the evils of the united states over the last 200 plus years today it released another plan for world peace that's basically focused on the united states being the problem once again that's the most direct confrontative thing that china has done and seems like it's really amping up the tensions with the united states why is that important because China seems to be preparing its population for a more direct conflict with the United States. And keep in mind, China is the world's largest importer of commodities and a big customer of the United States. Yeah, definitely. Always something to watch there for sure. It's good to have you on the air with us. Thank you so much for those thoughts and the insight. Again, we've been visiting with Arlen Suderman from Stonex on today's program. Just a reminder that trading of commodity futures does involve substantial risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenel Final Bell. It's brought to you by Fontenel Hybrids and your local Fontenel dealer. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.